Connecting Yorba Linda, Anaheim Hills, and Placentia, one story at a time. You're listening to The Corridor Podcast. Okay, I have Mark Barbour here with me. He is the founding curator and executive director of the International Print Museum in Carson. It's not exactly in our neck of the woods, but they have got a great event coming up that I wanted all you guys to hear about. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little background on what you got going out there. Thanks a shot. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm with the, the International Printing Museum, and uh, although I'm not, the museum is not in Orange County. It used to be. Uh, the museum started in 1988 in the city of Buena Park and was there until 97 when they widened the the 91 and the 5 freeway into our building and that's what ended up uh, sending us uh, westward towards uh, Carson and we ended up in a building out there at the end of the 91 freeway so just just get on the freeway and when it ends you're at the printing museum uh, but we do actually uh, do our programming in uh, Anaheim Hills and Yorba Linda and all that we have a when we lost our building in 1997 we, to keep the museum afloat and working with schools, one of our core programs, we developed a traveling colonial printing shop, a museum on wheels. And I've had that program now for uh, 20 years, visiting schools all over Southern California, Northern California, and Arizona. So like uh, some of our regular schools, Bryant Ranch Elementary, in your Belinda, Travis Ranch, uh, and other ones in that area. So. So we're bringing, uh, doing a two-hour assembly at schools on the history of books, printing Ben Franklin and Gutenberg. We, uh, actually, my trailer has Ben Franklin's working colonial printing shop inside. So when I show up at a school, it's like an instant museum on the campus. Open up the doors and you get, I get to uh, use Ben Franklin's printing press and we set type and print an almanac and do a demonstration of books and talk about how books and reading shaped and formed Ben's life, and Ben Franklin in turn shaped and formed our world. And then the kids, they always get to meet Benjamin Franklin in the school auditorium. And he talks about his life and inventions and discoveries in science and electricity, and brings his original electrical generator with him that he used to develop batteries. And uh, does I a lot of questions. That one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come check that one. Yeah, out, so. well, it, it'll be uh, in the area here over the next uh, several months and through the school year. We we work with about 150 schools with that program alone. Then, uh, of course, schools and, and visitors come to the museum uh, itself in Carson, and we have various educational programs there, uh, such as the one I just described inside the museum, and we even do reenactments of the Constitutional Convention where the kids get to become the delegates uh, with, at, at Independence Hall and argue with Benjamin Franklin the ideas that might or may not go into the Constitution using the original comments from 200 years ago that are on 3 by 5 cards for the kids. They get to argue about big state and little state, taxation, election of the president, I mean slavery. Poor kid from South Carolina gets to stand up and defend slavery as his God-given right. Um, whether he's white or black, it doesn't matter because those were the comments made by South Carolina. But as soon as he sits down, the delegate, the student from New York, will stand up and argue vehemently against slavery. So the kids and the adults get to see this in context. And uh, then they sign their own constitution, and that makes that document personal. For each one of those kids, it becomes their constitution. That's a, a very creative way to approach the constitution. And that's that's an idea of how we approach our, our programs and the things that we do at the museum. I mean, most people would say, 
most of your listeners here would say, what is a printing museum and why would I ever want to go down there? Yeah. <laughs> and I fully understand that, but I'll tell you when, you, when somebody comes into the museum, this is a full working collection. So it's, we bring you into your history. Uh, books, printing, newspapers, communication, all this surrounds us. You, it's just, you don't know how all that happens, mm -hmm. but it's a major part of civilization. And we get to bring that story to life. You, we're, we're there casting type the way Gutenberg did, that, that whole process of making metal letters that would be used like stamps inside the printing press that he developed. Uh, that process is fascinating, watching liquid metal, kids watching liquid metal harden immediately and form a letter inside this mold that Gutenberg had developed and we demonstrate that in front of them. Then we step over to the Gutenberg press and we print a page of the Gutenberg Bible and illustrate the impact that that had on the world. Um, and that's the type of things that we, we do there at the museum and we have a wide range of programs and activities that we do from uh, our educational programs which reach about 25,000 school kids a year in, in our work there. And then uh, beyond that, we, we're, we're working with high schools and college art programs and history uh, classes. And we also uh, do public uh, presentations uh, quarterly, like our one upcoming this December. Every December, one of our signature events is our Dickens Holiday Celebration. And we turn the printing museum into Fezziwig's Victorian Warehouse. And uh, we've got all the costume characters from the Dickens novels there, uh, caroling and music, and everybody gets to print their own Victorian Christmas cards on the antique printing presses, the Victorian printing presses, and interact with the, the collection. We have uh, homemade gingerbread and English bangers to enjoy, and other fun activities like that. And then the, the, the highlight is when you come into our theater for the show, you get to meet Charles Dickens himself, who does the Christmas Carol as the author. And then he becomes Scrooge, and then he uses his audience as random cast members. And what a way to bring the Christmas Carol to life. We all know the story, mm -hmm. but to become a part of it. I mean, we're, we're you know, he's, he's randomly, he's looking for one of the three do-gooders. That, that could be you, Ashok. Maybe not, but that could be you. Uh, you're not going to be Tiny Tim, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Shh, no one's seen me yet. So, um, yeah, I've been down there a couple of times. Your museum is pretty amazing. How how big is it? We we have about ten thousand square feet right now on display, uh, and that's for us is small because in Buena Park we had twenty five thousand square feet, so we have. 18 semi-trailers filled up with parts of the collection that aren't out yet, but what's out on display is uh, 300 years of, of uh, machines and history and uh, just to see machines working and then doing something that is meaningful. I mean, you're watching, we, we have the very first printing press that printed the Los Angeles Daily Times. And the actual yes, machine? Yeah, wow. the first four years, and it was powered hydraulically by the Los Angeles River which itself is this amazing story that yeah. there's a river in Los Angeles and that it could be used for <laughs> anything other than a scientific experiment. Right. And it printed the uh, what was called at that time the Los Angeles Daily Times because it was one of the first dailies and they had to make sure the audience knew that. And so they put it into the title because most papers came out weekly. And well, now our, uh, what we're getting ready for right now is 
our our 10th annual Los Angeles Printers Fair. Okay. And this is one one amazing event. We've uh, every year we we get about 80 plus artists, vendors, printers, paper makers, demonstrators of all sorts, and we have a tent behind our building and throughout the museum and under the tent, uh, creativity on steroids. It's just a yeah. chance to print on the presses, get your name cast and type, uh, make paper by hand, see a demonstration of bookbinding, meet the artists, buy beautiful letterpress prints. It's a celebration of, of letterpress as a printing form, uh, printmaking, the paper arts, um, buy beautiful stuff and interact with the artists and participate in it. And last year, uh, we had about 1,700 people show up. It's, it's just an amazing event that catches people off guard that, uh, how many art shows you go to and you actually are one of the artists right. yeah, that, that you get to come there. So kids, very you know, from kids to adults. It's I just, still have paper, I think, from two years ago when I came down Yeah, last time. Um, I'm glad you mentioned letterpress because I have been noticing that as a graphic artist myself that th there's this renaissance, if you want to call it, of letterpress coming back, you know, business from business cards to posters and everything I'm seeing more and more enthusiasm about that um, can you briefly explain what that is and sure maybe a little bit why it's coming back sure. as hard as it is well the, the, the printing technique there's various printing techniques that are out there and the most common that people well too that I'd say that for the general public the most common offset litho so if you're going to go get a book printed, even your newspaper, magazines, and all that, that process is known as offset litho. And that's a more modern process of the last uh, 100 plus years. Yeah, that's the four color, CYMK. Four, yeah, CMYK. And now those letters, people nowadays, because we all have inkjet printers sitting in our offices, understand CMYK, right. what we call process colors, uh, yellow, cyan, magenta, and black. And uh, so... In that process, uh, the press is laying down uh, those colors to create full color printing. And um, it's also, the, and I would say the second process everybody's very familiar with would be inkjet technology, mm -hmm. squirting ink onto a piece of paper. Most people don't realize how expensive that process is. Uh, they, they, uh, I you, do. <laughs> yeah, you spend a lot of, you end up spending a lot of money on the ink. And that's, that's how that works. But that's a, a very tangible way for people to engage in a printing process. But the old process of printing, the, the original process of printing that goes back to the Chinese who invented this in the, you know, around the 7th century is known as letterpress. It's printing from a raised surface. So Gutenberg developed um, letterpress printing using individual characters made in metal that, go, that are assembled as type letters, the letters themselves on the face of this little metal piece, the letters in reverse, and you assemble whatever you want to print one letter at a time, letter by letter, word by word, line by line. Put it all inside of a printing press and then put ink onto those letters and then stamp it into, the, use the press to stamp it into the paper. You can think of it uh, like a metal version of a rubber stamp. In fact, rubber stamps are a process of letterpress as well, just using rubber, not metal. Well, letterpress was the printing process. I mean, the, the, that that's how all your books and newspapers were made up through uh, the middle of the, the 20th century. And in fact, your newspapers, for example, like in our area here, uh, the Los Angeles Times was printed letterpress 
until 1974. Wow. The recent. New York Times, 1978. Orange County, California, 2003. Really? Yeah. Not the Register, but okay. a small little weekly known as the Westminster Herald. Okay. And we have the last day of metal letters. <laughs> uh, the wife set it on the old Linotype typesetting machine, which we have operating down there at the museum, where we cast people's names and cast lines of letters. And the husband, the horse of an old guy, uh, printed it on his old 1940s printing press. And he did it all up till ni- to 2003. So that process, as a commercial process, really waned in the 60s uh, and certainly into the 70s. So there's a few instances where it's still being used. But from the turn of that last century, uh, starting with something known as the arts and crafts movement, um, this, this revival of hand technique of, of making things, starting with a guy by the name of William Morris in England. And the arts and crafts movement, in the middle of this push towards technology in the you know, late 19th century with industrialization and everything else happening, it's like we were losing our humanity. And so the response to that was to get books that were printed using old, old style and old uh, craftsmanship and care and the paper and the ink and the binding and everything else. And so people it started this first movement of uh, what we call the book arts, making beautiful books again where you pay attention to the type and nowadays everybody knows fonts I mean everybody loves fonts mm-hmm. it's just like but oh no. comic sans is my favorite <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> it's a little graphic design joke there yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah uh, so somebody's got to make that a metal, you, metal type you will never see that on my newsletter yeah. so. good so <laughs> well. now I have to do it as a joke yes but. you do you have to you have to show it I'll be sure to give you that um, one and so that, you know, for the last 120 years, it's, it's been a lot of people who have presses themselves and do fine printing and all this. And then really in the 1970s into the 80s, it's, it started taking this different turn and it became a little more artistic. And uh, I guess you might see this as the art departments at the colleges started discovering it as a print media, a print mm-hmm. process, a printmaking process. And they started just going, let's go outside the box of a book, and let's, in fact, let's let's look at a book in different ways, and start making what we call real book arts. And most of your universities and colleges have in their art departments, not not a technology department, but in the art department, will have letterpress set up, and students will be taking old wood type letters and printing them, overlapping each other, or doing weird shapes, or even broken pieces of letters and putting those together. Mm-hmm. Um, working with paper, making paper, doing interesting binding structures, having it so that <coughs> when you open up this book, it, it opens up in a different way and maybe a structure comes out of it or something. It's just, it's mm-hmm. fascinating it's, and it's all very tactile. And I'd say in the last 20 years, we're seeing that same thing that happened at the turn of the 19th and the 20th century, this reaction to technology, this interest in that we call now retro, uh, steampunk, Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of, (coughs) excuse me, using a typewriter to communicate with, you know, this, this outdated device. Well, now they're 
you know, the current generation, just millennials love typewriters. And they've even, you know, designed a typewriter to have a USB port on it. I've seen those. You know, so you can start on a typewriter and it goes into your computer. And oh, boy, I have not <laughs> seen that. <laughs> and it's just, it's just wonderful because it's, it's this whole thing of being, your humanity is, is back into the process, mm-hmm. into that creativity. And that's what the book art's all about at different levels. And it really covers a wide range. So for your listeners there, just look up the word book arts and letterpress uh, on Google. Look it up on Instagram, and you're going to see some amazing works and art in different directions, from posters to wedding invitations. You know, and, and what they love to do now that the old masters would never let you do is you you take this beautiful cotton paper, nice, a little bit thick, 100% cotton, and they would press the letters deep in there so you can actually feel mm-hmm. the letters. I mean, if you were blind, you'd be able to read the type, and that's how deep they like to print it. And that was bad printing a hundred years ago. Uh, it was horrible. Now that's everything. Can you punch it? It's gorgeous. Can you punch it deeper? And so you get these wedding invitations that you can't make this on a computer. Yeah. And that's what people love about it. Well, you you can, but you you got to translate it digitally. I was going to get to that because now yeah. you're seeing this real blending of, you know, designers are creating this art on a computer screen, sending it off to a guy to engrave metal. Mm-hmm. You get the press back and right. sticking it on paper. And, oh, yes, so you a lot of the ones like the, my my uh, artist vendors at the printers fair, uh, some of them set with original metal type letters and wood type and and stuff, but so many of them start they design on their computer. They create whatever it is they want to print on the computer, and they send it digitally to a company. There's one here in LA that's been making plates now for printing plates in this process for the last 80 years. There's other companies across the country. And in one day, they're sending you back a relief raised image that's in a metal plate mounted on a block of wood so that it's the right height for printing. Uh, and there's another company that, that they make it in plastic. It's, it's this polymer material. You can even make this at home. There's a way to create these polymer oh, letterpress printing plates. And there's I didn't some, realize. Of them, some are making them at home. And it's, it's already there. That you can make it uh, uh, through your computer, and then what comes out of your computer is what you can use in this process to expose these polymer mm-hmm. plates that expose them to light in a certain way, and you get your printing plate. The fun is mixing these technologies, because nobody's told them as artists, you can't do it. Uh, and that's fun to watch what comes out of it. Right. So we have people there that are printing large posters uh, down to those that are making beautiful greeting cards and bookmarks and small books some are making large books some are just into making papers paper marbling you know the whole process of adding color uh, swirling color on top of paper there's artists who are selling paper that's this beautiful paper you you would know marbled paper because in your old books the end papers they where the cover of the book is at if you open up a book from 120 years ago there's this beautiful um, swirling pattern of color. That's known as paper marbling. Well, it's a whole process of how to do that. Where you drop color on top of the water and have it suspended on the top, swirl it around with combs and make patterns, and you have the sheet of paper touch the, the surface of the water and it picks up that image. Hmm. That's a beautiful process uh, to see. And uh, that's the kind of things that you experience there. So the, the printer's fair is a, just a great time to be uh, exposed to this this art process, participate in it, 
Uh, you know, if you've never made a piece of paper, come down and you get to make your own first piece of paper. Then you can make something with it. You can walk over to one of our printing presses and then print your own keepsake with your paper. You know, and the keepsake didn't exist before you showed up, and the paper didn't exist before you showed up, and the design that you're about to put together with our antique printing blocks didn't exist until you, as the artist, put all that together. That's one thing I love about the museum and about this process is that we get to. Sorry, ignore that. <laughs> we get to take individual or, or historical artifacts that are just beautiful on their own right. But we get to do something with them that makes them contemporary and makes them have purpose. You know, that's why I love using this process uh, at, at home. I have a whole print shop here at home that I, with a thousand fonts of antique type and printing presses from the 1890s and one from 1832. And I print my Christmas cards and, and keepsakes and other things here. And it's just, it's fun. And why do you do it? Because I can. Because I get to interact with my machines and you know, so yeah so they're, and they're beautiful machines when you see these antique our, our newest machine that we just got in we're very excited we're going to showcase it at the fair is a machine called the Heidelberg Press now there will be many listeners here who would know that name because that's like the BMW of printing presses in the modern industry uh, the best shops have Heidelberg presses I mean and, Heidelbergs have gone beyond just printing Oh yes, they're I mean, digital they're machines. technology. I mean, they got scanning machines, medical equipment. I mean, they're kind of they're one of those big names out there. Yeah, they're if, very if, big. If, so we've just acquired uh, what is now the 1905 Heidelberg Celebrate. It is now the old. We got it out of Verona, Italy, out of a little village uh, print shop. Had it taken apart piece by piece, got it out, saved the machine, transported it out here, and our first printing will be at the printers' fair. It is now the oldest Heidelberg in America, and we're very—it's a 40-inch sheet that it can print, hand cranked. Oh my gosh! And so our, we're inviting our guests this year to actually print their own keepsake—a big, large poster. Oh man! We have a letterpress artist coming in from Nashville, uh, Tennessee. His name is Kevin Bradley, and he does these what he calls American letterpress—big, big. He does five foot by ten foot letterpress printing. He's designing. How does he even do that? Uh, just got a big press, <laughs> big sheets of paper. So he's actually Jeez. designing and carving an original block uh, illustration for the, the print. He just told me this week that what he's gonna do is the First Amendment. He's gonna print the First Amendment as a big giant artistic wow. poster. And what a timely uh, how'd you time. guys How'd you guys get that machine? What's this, where, there's gotta be a story behind that. Well, last year at the Printer's Fair, we got an e I got an email from this artist uh, printer in Verona, Italy asking if we were interested in this old Heidelberg cylinder press. Well, we have a Heidelberg cylinder press, one of their, as a letter press, these were, for the letter press printers, Heidelberg was like the best machine as well. So you had a smaller version of a machine called a windmill, the Heidelberg windmill, which a lot of these artist printers use to make their greeting cards and stuff like that. And they're amazing machines with great technology and uh, operation. And a Heidelberg cylinder from the 1950s. Those are we have one, and it'll be working at the Printers Fair. It's in our 1950s printing shop. And I thought, when I list, you, you, you get all these emails. You scan them quickly. I'm getting ready for the Printers Fair <laughs> last year, and I thought, when I read the line, I said Heidelberg junk, cylinder press. Junk, junk. I was What's like, this? why do I need to go get another one of these from the 1950s? 
um, in Italy, and I, I didn't even read the email, and I just ignored it. Well, a month and a half later, I'm just going through my emails, and all of a sudden I stumble across it again, and now I look at the pictures, and I'm going, oh my Lord. This one looks like it's literally from the end, at the end of the 19th century. Hutterberg had only been making presses since the 1890, about 1890. So this press was within the first 10 years oh, wow. of it being made. I'm like, and you almost nobody's ever seen <laughs> We've never even seen this press before. Right. And there's maybe 10 of them in the world at most. Wow. And that's when I got excited because it was like, wow, and it's hand cranked. And... Uh, I almost don't want to ask how much that cost you guys. Well, yeah, we're, we're raising the money right now to try <laughs> so to So come on that. down, you guys. Come, come on, on down. For five bucks, you have a chance to print and get your own keepsake, this 30-inch you know, 30, 30 uh, poster on the press. But it was about four grand to buy the press. But then oh, the cost of getting it yeah. out of the building, they had to disassemble it. The engineers there had to disassemble it, take it out, reassemble it in the parking lot. Not in the parking lot. It's like this village um, courtyard outside this old building. Great, great uh, location for it. Reassemble it, test it, make sure it was printing, get it onto a, a treated skid, and then get it into a container and seal it, and then get it out here, and then get it out of the container and get it back in. It's like, so. So, so he gave you a discount on the price, but charged, yeah, yes. you, charged you to get <laughs> it over nothing. here. Yeah, that I was gonna say four thousand is not a lot of money for so we're, we're that trying machine. to raise fifteen to twenty thousand dollars okay. to pay for the machine and get it out here. So, we're we're in the middle of that campaign. So, I think this is a great use of it. Is you know the freedom of the press, which we believe belongs to the person who owns one, and that's another thing you could do at the printers' fair is not only do the letterpress printing we have a letterpress swap me we have surplus printing presses from the collection that we oh, sell and type them. if you want to get your own a font of type or, or buy one letter your letter or mm -hmm. supplies and things like that so um, yeah so it's it's I love watching the experience of people when they're coming in they just but you know, in fact they're going through the museum sort of first and they haven't even reached the vendors we've so warmed up all these visitors, I mean, I tell the vendors, if you can't sell them something beautiful by that point, <laughs> you're, in the wrong, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, when is that happening? That's happening on on Saturday and Sunday, October 13th and 14th. Was that it's three weeks? About three weeks. Three weeks from now. So if, uh, and it, we've got, uh, uh, it's from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, all that information is on our website at printmuseum.org. You can always just look up Printer's Fair or uh, LA Printer's Fair. We have videos of the past fairs you can see and experience it. Got a list of the vendors. You can get a sense for what the event's all about. Even uh, get on our website, you'll see that Heidelberg, uh, 1905 Heidelberg Press uh, operating. So you get a sense for that. And encourage everybody, if they're in coming down, um, uh, you can get your tickets online so you don't have to wait in line and go like right into the door. And it's, it's planned for, you know, about four hours at least down there. We might suck you in for the whole day, but it'll be a day that you'll go away just real excited and, and uh, amazed. How young can, of kids can you bring? What would be appropriate? Well, the, the admission is $10 for adults and $5 uh, for students. Uh, if, they're, if they're under uh, 10, they're free. Um, is there like an age you don't recommend? Well, I don't you know, recommend don't a bring lot your of strollers. Yeah, I don't really recommend a lot of strollers. It's because it's very crowded, at least in the museum okay. on that day. So that's not the best. Um, you probably want your your kids, uh, you know, in probably grade level and above. So, okay. 
we always recommend the museum in general for third grade and above. So I think you'll be able to, and, and the, the stations there, we have such amazing volunteers in the museum that, that make the machines come alive and help people with their printing and putting things together. So uh, they, they know how to handle uh, the groups, young and old, and come down. You'll love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with us. And Good. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll see some more. The museum's always open on Saturdays from 10 to 4. It's by appointment during the week. Check out the museum at printmuseum.org for our educational uh, programs, our school tours, the program that goes out to the schools called Museum on Wheels, if you've got a school that you want us to go to. Do you have any events coming up in our area? Uh, I will definitely be at uh, is it Travis Ranch and Bryant Ranch in January. So those are are those specifically for the schools though, or do you have one that you know at a library that's commu open to the community? No, I don't have a. Uh, we do do library presentations or other facilities and all that, but I don't have any of those scheduled okay. right now. And so you let the me program, know when you do, and then I'll, yeah. I'll push it. Oh, out that'd be great. You, so. And if somebody has a an organization, and all, let us know. Um, one of our other programs, I'll throw in real quick. Uh, is that we have, uh, we do uh, four or five Boy Scout merit badge programs. So Ooh, if you have scouts, you we have a great, it's a two, two merit badges in one day are uh, in graphic arts and pulp and paper. In six hours, it's all hands-on and they're making pulp, making paper, learning about the industry <laughs> and running presses and screen printing their own shirt and doing some great stuff. You'll do that for individual on. packs? Uh, they just sign up. Uh, this one sold out eight, nine months in advance. Oh, wow. And we handle 100 scouts at a time, and we have we break them up into teams, eight teams, and they go around the museum, and it's a well-oiled machine. Right. It, it's a great day, and it's usually the scouts consider it one of their best merit badge experiences. Okay. And we've been doing that now for seven years. I've, I've worked with close to 3,000 scouts wow. on that one. And including the ones that are, uh, you know, parents who are your scouts have uh, probably been to the museum mm -hmm. through that. Then now we have a girls' version of that called Book Arts Patch Day for Girls. And it's, it's not just Girl Scouts. It's all girls, including the sisters of the Boy Scouts, 10 and above. And it's six hours of making books and paper and doing paper marbling and mechanical binding of books and hand sewing of books and screen printing and illustration techniques and it is amazing too. I was going to say this sounds appealing for young adults and regular adults too. Yeah well on that one <laughs> on that one we had so many of the moms especially say well I want to participate. Right. And so we said you can sign up and be one of the participants as well so we let you let you. You'll, jump you'll get your own badge. And next spring every spring is our um, crazy crafts day. And that is uh, on March 30th, and we have, I don't know, about 10 or 12 stations, activity stations throughout the museum. So we, you know, of course, the printing and getting your name cast and type, but we also do paper making, calligraphy, cartooning, origami, uh, paper marbling, screen print your own shirt, um, you know, uh, learn how to make pop-up toys out of paper, all that. So that's another fantastic family day. At the museum, this is the kind of stuff we do. It's yeah. just like, and it's a printing museum. It's endless. And we get back to the fact that what is a printing museum? Well, you're never going to know unless you show up. Right. So come down to the, the International Printing Museum at 315 West Torrance Boulevard in the city of Carson. Uh, Website half, again? Uh, Printmuseum.org. And then October 13th and 14th is the that's our the next fair. big upcoming event. So awesome. come down for that. All right. Well, we'll we will see you there. Good. Thanks, Ashok. All right. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Corridor Podcast. Be sure to visit the website and subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on what's happening inside the Corridor. And, as always, we are a sponsor-supported program. If you would like more information on how to become a sponsor, please email info at thecorridoroc.com. Thanks.